You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to Review and Preview, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside James Montefusco and uh, special co-host here tonight, Nick DiMartino from Out of Line. James, Nick, how are you guys doing tonight? Well, I'm having a better week than Brandon Staley, so that's uh, that's one that's a plus. <laughs> James, how are you doing after Super Wild Card Weekend? Great. Well, I shouldn't say great. I'm doing good. It would be great if a team Monday night lost, but I'll say good. I mean, our team won their first playoff game in six years the other night. And uh, hey, Nick, at least Brandon Staley still has a job for now. Um, It could could be worse. I don't know if any news has broke yet. He could be Nathaniel Hackett. Yes. Couple comments. Ben Cruz saying, "What's up, guys? What's up, Ben? Hank and Dichter saying hello. How's it going, my guys? And let's go, Big Blue. We'll be hosting Big Blue Avenue tomorrow night, weekly Giants show. If you're new, tuning in for the first time, make sure to check us out on all of our social media on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok at Review and Preview Sports. We'll leave that uh, ticker up there for just a moment. But fellas, we have a lot to talk about and. I'm thrilled to be back on Review and Preview, by the way. I believe this is the first show I've hosted since the new year. Um, had a busy work schedule, but right in time for the thick of the NFL playoffs. And without further ado, boys, let's talk about some super wild card recap. Uh, we'll minimize that, James, so we could see Nick's face. Uh, <laughs> it was blocking me. You know, I couldn't help but notice my name's the only one not capitalized. You could fit, uh, you came in with the lowercase, huh? Yeah, I'm I'm the lowercase Nick. Hold on, That's watch right. this. All right, there. Oh you go. wow, look at you, James, pulling all the plugs, just like all old times. Is um, So let's talk about the first game of the weekend: the San Francisco 49ers defeat the Seattle Seahawks by a score of forty-one to twenty-three. Um, Nick, I'll start with you here. Brock Purdy, is this guy legit? I mean, obviously, he's legit. Um, <laughs> that, that, it's not really m- much of a question. I mean, he he just won. He he just won a playoff game in his first. I mean, like basically, he looks. He was like the third string basically behind Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, and he looked better than. I mean, I can't say anything about Trey Lance because he hardly ever played, but he looked better than Garoppolo did. And, like, quarterback wins aren't a stat. Like, so I don't like to get too obsessed with quarterback wins. 
but you can't go undefeated. Like he hasn't lost a game and he's been winning most of these games by two scores or more. You can't do that if your quarterback isn't legit. It's just not possible. So, I mean, I think part of it is coaching. I think that has a lot to do with it. But Brock Purdy also has to get a lot of the credit. Right. It's hard to tell because a lot of people think, oh, he's going to come down to earth at some point. He's due for a loss, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, James, I thought the Seahawks played a perfect first half in this game. But uh, our good old friend, actually all of our good old friend in Geno Smith. Especially mine. <laughs> yeah, especially you had a pick and a fumble in this game. He did have two touchdowns. The Seahawks led by one at the half, two touchdown receptions from DK Metcalf. James, what did you think of Geno's performance in this game? You know, Geno surprised me all season, um, to be honest with you. From him being on the Jets to then us and showing – ruining Manning's career it's like you know the some down stuff but he's shown he's a decently well quarterback um but I think he out of the two quarterbacks that were playing that game he fell back to earth not the 49er quarterback Gino fell back to earth you know not that I'm saying he was you know, two touchdowns isn't terrible. 23, 25 for 35 with 253 yards. Yeah, that's great. But I think he finally fell back to earth with an interception, with the lost fumble. The Geno, everybody somewhat knows. Hmm. Um, you know, not that it's a it's a damper on his season. He, did, he had a great season. He led the team to the playoffs. But I think this kind of reminded everybody of the old Geno Smith where we've known for so long. Nick, I want to get to you here on that. Do you think he should stay in Seattle, and should Seattle continue to ride him as their starting quarterback in 2023? Well, whether or not Seattle should continue to ride him is kind of a question to me. Um, But whether or not Geno should stay there, absolutely he should want to stay there. I mean, unless another team, you know, offers him more money, but because I don't know what he wants on a personal level, where he wants to live, the amount of money he wants to make or whatever, but – what I do, but strictly from a football standpoint, Seattle is probably the best team he could be with right now because he's in a system that benefits him very much. Uh, so, in that sense, yeah, they abso- he absolutely should want to stay there because if he was with a lot of other teams, he might not even start. Even though he, ha- I mean, like he, part of the reason he had a good year this year is because he was in a good system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, that needs to be taken into account. So he should want to stay there. Um, whether or not Seattle should want to keep him, I mean, there might be a better – I mean, not necessarily. It depends on what else they might be able to get because you can always get better than Geno. I mean, I mean, and not always, but you, they might be able to. I mean, if they could get like a really good young quarterback, um, then, yeah, they should go with a good young quarterback. But, like, they were just a playoff team. They don't have a really high draft pick. They're not getting anybody. So I don't know – it doesn't seem like that they're going to get anybody else that would put them in a better situation. So I, I don't really know about that. For for everybody talking about Gino getting coming back to earth and people talking about how uh, talking about how Brock Purdy was due for a loss. It's funny that nobody talked about Gino being due for a loss because with Brock Purdy, we don't really know what he is, but we already know what Gino Smith is. And nobody, it was just weird to me that people talked about Brock Purdy coming back to earth. 
way more than Gino coming back to earth. I thought that was kind of interesting. But in that sense, I would say, I mean, from Gino's perspective, absolutely. I I think he needs the Seahawks more than the Seahawks need him. Um, That being said, I mean, like in recent by Seahawks standards, Gino Smith, even though he had a really good year, it had to have been their weakest quarterback within the past decade after having Russell Wilson all that time. So, I mean, it's by Seahawks standards, this Gino is not really that great for them. Yeah. Uh, Look, he had Metcalf, he had Lockett, he had uh, Noah Fant and Kenneth Walker, who scored a touchdown in this game, but he ran into a 49ers defense that sacked them three times and forced two Seattle turnovers, a pick and a fumble in the playoffs that exploited some of his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Seattle defensively struggled too. The Niners had over 500 yards of total offense, and no disrespect to Brock Purdy, but the guy was drafted as Mr. Irrelevant. Um, so there, there isn't much expectation there, James and Nick. So I think the fact that Geno wasn't able to, you know, use his experience to his advantage and, and outduel Brock Purdy in this game speaks volumes to how dangerous San Francisco is and the flaws that Chino Smith demonstrated on Saturday afternoon. But I mean, we could all agree the 49ers are a force to be reckoned with. They might be the hottest team in the NFC. They not even not, they are the hottest team in the NFC right now. Well, I also think it's worth noting they are they are a far better team than the Seahawks. And it, within the past couple of months, the Seahawks have been pretty bad. Um, I mean, if you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at all their all their games right now. I mean, their best win was when they basically blew out the Jets, mm-hmm. and they blocked in. Mike White's ribs. Uh, but since November 13th, I mean, their best win they lost to the Bucks, the Raiders, barely beat the Rams, lost to the Panthers. Um, and then they're, and then, like I said, beat the Jets and barely beat the Rams at home. So it's not like the Seahawks have been good within the past couple of months. They've been pretty bad. Like, Mm -hmm. even though they've won some games, those were really unimpressive wins. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that the Niners were able to do this. And even if Brock Purdy didn't play that great, of, I mean, he did play a good game, but even if Brock Purdy played a bad game and kind of came back to earth, chances are the Niners would have been able to win anyway. Nick, Garth says, hello. Get fired up, man. Hello, Garth. Noah says, whatever Nick bets, bet the opposite. Well, that's not true. I had the Niners on Saturday. so I feel like most people had the Niners, though. I, against the spread? Uh, against the spread, I probably still would have taken it. I mean, it is a divisional game, so it's tempting not to take it. No, it was tempting. No, no, I think most people, according on the FanDuel app, most people took the Niners. That's what it looked like. Um, but you're right because people said it's like a rivalry game in a sense that they were going to play up yeah. to them. But I was just like, the Niners are just a far better team. We got a couple comments here. James, our good friend Marty, joins saying, "I'm just glad all <laughs> NFC East teams are out of it." Wait. <laughs> Dang it. Good luck this weekend. Marty, our Washington Commanders fan. Ben saying the divisional round game should be really good. Noah says it's a bad time to be a Giants fan. Yes, it is, Nick. It's a bad time to be a Giants fan, as it was to be a Georgia fan just a few young months ago. Um, Sarcasm, of course. I'm here, boys, says Garth. Giving a little woo. I need Fonz with the soundboard right now. 
But thank you, Noah, Garth, Ben, Marty, for all the comments so far. Let's get to our next game, why don't we? Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers led this game 27 to nothing. This was one of the biggest collapses in playoff history. The Chargers wound up firing offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi yesterday, along with assistant Shane Day. Should Brandon Staley keep his job? That's my question to you guys. There's been a lot of mixed reviews about this, surprisingly. Should Brandon Staley keep his job? Right now, he is – Nick, you you have the uh, the eyebrows are twitching. So I'm going to go to you here first on, on, on this. No. <laughs> the short answer is no. Um, he's horrible in these big spots. And he has one of the best young quarterbacks right now. Uh, I mean – the short answer I would just say is no. I mean, it's not just that because they blew a 27 point lead. I mean, like, okay. Part of it is that they blew a 27 point lead and, and it had a lot to do with really terrible decisions. I mean, that had a lot to do with it. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, it, that last drive in the second, in the first half, uh, one of the chargers last drives and they threw it three times in a row and, uh, and, and and they didn't get anything, uh, and then they they had to kick a field goal. I mean, th- they easily should have scored a touchdown that time. I mean, those are just three terrible play calls. Um, I would say if you blow a twenty seven point lead like that, and just like last year when they blew blew their shot to make the playoffs, and you fire the offensive coordinator, at some point it's got to come back to the head coach. So I, I don't see any good reason for him to be able to keep his job after this. I mean, it, the team that he has is too talented for him to just never win in a, or do anything right in a big spot. James, what do you think? The Los Angeles Falcons, does that suit the Chargers? Honestly, it suits the Chargers. This isn't the first time we've seen them lose in big games. Um, you, you said it early, you know, a few moments ago where they do have one of the brightest and smartest young quarterbacks leading that team where unfortunately he hasn't been able to lead that team where that team can go due to the coaching Mm -hmm. you know is it clear whole house with offense defense and head coach I can't answer that but would I say start with the head coach at this point yes from to blowing a 27 to nothing lead where what was I looked at it at work and I was like, oh, the Chargers should be able to win to then find out later that night. If the Jaguars came back all the way back and won, that's just like mind blowing because nobody's expecting the Jaguars to do what they did against the Chargers. Is anybody expecting the Jaguars to play what they, how they played this past weekend coming up? We'll get to that. But I do think it's time to reevaluate that whole coaching locker room. There's nothing wrong with the players on the field mm-hmm. in my eyes, but it starts with the head coaching and the play calling to blow a 27 point lead. That's absurd. I mean, you also have to remember, you also have to remember like everything really just went right for the chargers. Like it, 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 yes. in the very in the first half, it was like four interceptions and two in the first half and two of them, uh, they ended up getting in the Chargers' own territory. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was the I mean, zone, just virtually. there alone is two scores yes. uh, mm-hmm. that were just given to them. And the other interceptions, I, I mean, the other ones weren't necessarily that significant in, in the sense, but they still cost the Jaguars points. So I, I think that you're not going to be able to do that the entire game. 
But so, but the fact that they weren't able to win when all of that went their way is, I just think, is very telling. Well, Nick, you also have to look look at the the score. They were leading twenty seven to nothing. How many more points did they score after that big lead? Zero. Well, that's three. Three. Uh, Essentially zero. Essentially zero. Virtually, Nick. Virtually zero. So you kind of have to look at that. Was was your foot let off the gas? Like, how do you not keep burying a team? They ran the ball so few times in that second half. Um, So you took the – your foot off the gas where it was working. Keep that going. Right. And the thing is, too, um, I do think a good field position. They did. Look, I think Staley should be fired, but I can see the argument for why they might give him one more year. I know Garth was telling me Justin Herbert really likes Brandon Staley. A lot of the players on that team respect him. Maybe Lombardi was the primary source of the issue. We don't know for sure since Staley was a defensive-minded coach. But, guys, you're the head coach. Everything goes through you. Essentially, Mm -hmm. everything has to go through you. Whatever Lombardi says essentially has to go through Brandon Staley. So I I, I don't see the argument for keeping him. Um, Well, I will say – you make a you make it an interesting point because throughout my years, and not to make everything about the Jets, but I mean, I will. But throughout Rex Ryan's uh, time as a Jet, as uh, the Jets head coach, and I just bring him up because he is. But also Todd Bowles, uh, right, another yeah. good example. Uh, they were both defensive-minded head coaches, and they were still blamed when the team, or at least to an extent, blamed when things didn't go right on offense. Uh, and that was often a criticism. So I, I wouldn't say that just because he's a defensive-minded head coach, he gets zero blame. But I also think that if he was an offensive-minded head coach and was running the offense or at least more involved in the offense, he probably would have been fired. I think right. that that has a lot to do as yeah. opposed to just the offensive coordinator. Right. I do agree with that. But we also have to talk about how well Jacksonville did in this second half, right? Um, somebody brought up a good point. Ben Cruz says only the Chargers would lose a game where the Jags had five turnovers. And four of those picks came in the first half from Trevor Lawrence. Nick, did you have Jaguars money line by any chance, or were you riding the Chargers throughout? No, I had the Chargers minus two and a half. That's right, you did. And I had Jacksonville money line, so I outbet the betting man on Saturday You outbet me. Uh, I I had them minus two and a half, um, and I was really happy about it until the very end. I was just like – no, they're not going to blow this, are they? I'm James, I heard this, and Nick, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but somebody put in a bet over a million dollars when the Chargers were up 27 nothing, yes. only to win an additional like $11,000. Yes, $1.4 million. Um, and only won $11,000. Which is so unbelievable to me because to somebody who has $1.4 million, the amount of money he would have won would have been like nothing. Like if you have yeah. the money, if you have one point four million dollars laying around to just make a bet, what is yeah. even like how much money is what's eleven thousand worth to you? <laughs> like yeah. it, it's just so weird that he would make that bet, and especially yeah. like if you know anything about football, the Chargers have been known for blowing games on the past couple of years. <laughs> like it just if anything, I would make the opposite bet, um, and bet you know eleven thousand to try to win one point four million on the Jaguars. <laughs> like it, yeah. Um, John Sugg says, 
the Raheem Morris effect, the head coach for the Bucks from 09 to 11, an interim head coach for the Falcons in the last two years made Chargers defense terrible. Chargers missed that field goal. That missed field goal was huge, by the way. Difference between 33-20 and being 30-27 after the Jags scored a touchdown right after. But I also, like – go ahead, Nick. Also that last drive when um, – when Staley, uh, Staley, when Herbert missed, uh, Keenan Allen was wide open in the end zone and yes. Staley threw the ball like 10 feet over his head. I mean, that's a touchdown right there. Mm-hmm. He missed, he, he missed judgment. He totally missed. I mean, like if he just makes that throw, uh-huh. he, that routine throw, I mean, the Chargers win the game. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I do think there are some similarities between Staley and Dan Quinn Noah, but credit to Trevor Lawrence having a near perfect second half. Granted, he had to. Lawrence developing himself is I think he's already in the in the top 10 in NFL quarterbacks. He just had a real shitty first half in the postseason, um, but he had an astronomical second half. You guys see the video of him walking into Waffle House Saturday yeah. night? <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. What a way to celebrate. Um, but let's move on, Nick, to two of your rivals in the AFC East. Uh, I'm sure you had mixed opinions on this game. The Bills survived. The Dolphins, 34-31. to 31. The Bills took a 17-0 lead early. Then the Dolphins took the lead 24-20 to 20 in the third quarter, a game where Josh Allen had three turnovers and was sacked seven times. Is it safe to say that these divisional matchups are really underrated when it comes to the playoffs, or do you think there is some truth to the Bills potentially being a fraudulent playoff team this year? I don't think they were a fraudulent playoff team because you can kind of say this type. I mean, it happened to come in the postseason. Um, although it's worth noting that the Chiefs have ha- had almost lost to a bunch of really bad teams this year. So, I mean, if the Bills are fraudulent, then the Chiefs could be fraudulent too. Um, so I, I don't think that. Although I do think it's pretty pathetic that, like, they barely survived Skylar Thompson. And the only reason yeah. they barely survived him is because the Dolphins couldn't run the ball. Um, and it's not like Sky, there's no film on Skylar Thompson. He's played throughout the year uh, a, a, a couple of times. So they easily they should have been able to win this by a lot more. I had the Bills minus 13 and a half. If, I guess that bet felt a little too easy. Um, they So I don't think anybody's necessarily fraudulent just because they play a bad game, I guess, because that, that could apply to anybody. Uh, but – I, they, they, they can't play like this the rest – like they can't play like this against the Bengals and still no. win. What do you think, James? Ha, ha, were, were you impressed with the Bills' performance at all or was it kind of one of those games where they played down to Miami? Because Miami did beat them once in the regular season. I think it's one of those games besides Josh Allen not having a great day and the offensive line not having a great day. I think they kind of really played down to Miami. Because the Bills should be able just to steamroll over Miami, in my opinion. I mean, not having Tua as your quarterback, my thinking was, well, the Bills should be able just to – it should be an easy win, you know, nothing too difficult for them. Roll into next week, whoever they're facing, you know, prepare for that. But I do think the Bills played down to um, the Dolphins. Uh, You know, I mean – it's surprising, but I think I'm sure there was a lot also going throughout their players' heads too. You know, um, their first playoff game without, um, you know, their their guy and having no him 
yep, not being there. But the Bills really should have just been able to steamroll. I mean, if the Bills lost this game, that would just devastating. cause devastating mass chaos, yeah. in my opinion. And then the Dolphins would just be obliterated next week, in my opinion. Yeah, no. I mean, look, Diggs and Davis both had over 100 yards receiving, so it's not like the Bills could have moved the football down the field. Miami took advantage of the turnovers they, they were given. Yeah. So they did a good job hanging around in the game, which I think speaks volumes to the type of coach that Mike McDaniel is and what he was able to do with the Skylar Thompson. The stat line wasn't pretty, but they were able to come within three points. And the Bills have good defenders on their defense. I mean, Matt Milano had two sacks. He was really good. Tremaine Edmonds had four passes defended. Mm -hmm. You know, Boogie Basham and Ed Oliver. I mean, you have Kyir Elam, who should have had an interception in this game. So, and Tredavious White, of course, in the secondary to go with Jordan Poyer. I mean, the Bills' defense is one of the best in the league. And what they were able to do, they held Tyreek Hill seven catches for 69 yards. Jalen Waddell, three catches for just 34 yards. It was a very impressive performance by the Bills' defense. Uh, you know, overall, I just think the, the difference was yardage. The Bills heavily outgained the Dolphins. And the Dolphins' inability to run the football, only 42 rushing yards, that's not going to win you a playoff game no. against the Buffalo Bills. Not at all. So let's see what we got here. John Suggs commenting, says he thinks the Bengals are a fraud team. Barely beat the Ravens without Lamar. Interesting, John. We'll get to that in a few moments. But any uh, any final thoughts on this Bills game before we move on here? No, not really. Um, <laughs> all I, know, I did take the I over. Say, I will say that I think those two teams with Tua, now I know it doesn't matter because he was hurt, but with Tua, I think those two teams are closer than people think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, so, I mean, it, it, with it's just too bad that Tua is hurt because I think that would have at least been a much – I think the Dolphins would have a real chance. All right, Nick, just piggyback off that real quick, Tom. I, if Tua wasn't so injury prone and actually their athletic and training staff took care of Tua when you, you should have been clearly yanked out of games earlier in the season because of concussions, that team would be pretty unstoppable. But since Tua can't stay on the field and is so concussion prone right now, um, that also hurts Miami. I mean, he, he's always he's been injury prone since college. Yeah. He has, and I think it's going to be concerning moving forward for the Dolphins. But the Bills advance. They'll play the Bengals on Sunday. Now, let's get into the next game. Our New York Giants beating the Minnesota Vikings 31-24. to uh, Giants' first playoff win since Super Bowl Forty Six. Congratulations. Uh, first playoff win for either uh, the Giants or the Jets since Super Bowl Forty Six. Um, great to see a, a New York team be back in the mix. Daniel Jones with a perfect 158.3 quarterback rating in the first quarter. Uh, carved up the Vikings defense. Saquon Barkley had two rushing touchdowns on the game. Isaiah Hodgins had over 100 yards and a score. Um, rookie tight end Daniel Bellinger had a touchdown. I mean, this game is all about Daniel Jones, guys, and what he was able to do and the steps he's taken towards being a leader and a franchise quarterback this season for New York. Now, granted, the Vikings don't have the best defense out there. Their secondary struggles. But remember, the Giants went into Minnesota on Christmas Eve and lost 
on a game-winning 61-yard field goal. So, Nick, as a betting man, I feel like a lot of people were riding Giants' money line in this game due to the odds and due to the Vikings being in the red in the point differential this season. When the Vikings lost, they lost, and they lost bad. So the fact that the Giants won this game, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to win, but I definitely gave them a good shot to win. And, you know, they proved a lot of people wrong. They they got the job done, guys. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. I don't know if a lot of people were riding the Giants' money line or not um, because it, it's not really a very easily – it's not very easy to find compared to, say, the spread. So I don't know if that's true or not. But um, you're right. When the Vikings lost, they lost really bad. Um, and when they won, they won close games, which I always say is a skill in and of itself. But just being able to win close games, I mean, at some point you're going to lose. I mean, you can't just barely beat teams all the time. Um I liked the Giants at the time. They were only they were getting like three and a half points, I think, at one point, and that's and I, or three points it was. And I took the Giants um, because I don't I didn't really think the Vikings were that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not the only one to say that. I mean, it, we all even though they had a really good record, uh, they really just weren't that good. Um, they weren't as good as their record would suggest. So and consider the Giants were getting hot at the right time. So I really did like the Giants that game. James, how did it feel to witness your team win a playoff game and to finally know that you have a franchise quarterback that, that that's going to be the cornerstone of this team for the next several years? It felt great for the Giants to win a playoff game and go back into the playoffs. Um, when I had it on the speakers throughout work at the end when we were cleaning up and I had the last 12 minutes on, and when we won and stuff, I was just ecstatic, jumping for joy and whatnot. Everybody was looking at me like I just won the lottery, but I didn't, unfortunately. But uh, the Giants did win their first playoff um, in quite some time. Ultimately, it, 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 this team's built differently. Um, I think it's definitely the coaching has helped this team. Daniel Jones looks comfortable. He has a head coach that is behind him. He also has a head coach that will go up to him and either put him in his place or support him. Um, I also think it helps when you have, um, you know, Darius Slayton, Bellinger, Bellinger, Hodgins. You know, Hodgins is looking like a uh, Victor Cruz right now. Um, You know, coming out of coming out of like nowhere to make the help the team. It's an overall good win um ultimately i i think they should be fine the rest of the way um but it 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 made a it made me happy and i think it made a lot of giants fans happy that it's like yeah all right we see what jan daniel jones has done see how he's progressed and see how their head coach has just turned this whole organization around in a year yeah i mean i mean we heard tiki tiki barber talk about it this week um you know, Boomer and Geo. I mean, it's not the matter of if he's back, Jones and Barkley at this point, but like how much money each of these guys are going to get, you know, and I think that's, that's important. And Brian Dable, the coaching goes very, um, 
unnoticed at times by the national public because you mm-hmm. saw Joe Judge had a very similar roster last year. And that coaching staff was not able to do. I mean, the Giants signed two free agents this offseason to multi-year deals, and one of them was a backup quarterback. The other was an offensive lineman. So you, you could do the math right there, guys, right? The Giants were playing with house money. Mm-hmm. They got Isaiah Hodgins off the waiver. Jalen Smith, they signed him off the street. I mean, these guys have come in, and they've done a decent job. And, you know, I was a little nervous when Aziz Ojolari left the game with the injury. But how about that tackle by Xavier McKinney on TJ Hawkinson? I was worried. When they, when they went up 7 nothing, and when we came back, I was like, all right, good. This team, this – like, I never thought I would say – this Giants team could win a shootout, but they did. They did. I mean, this was on the verge of being a shootout. Now, I know the scoring slowed down a little bit in the second half, but the Giants made more plays than the Vikings did. Um, I don't think Kirk Cousins deserves much blame. Um, I thought he was fine. I think it was more the Vikings' defense that didn't show up. And the Giants had a game plan to contain Justin Jefferson. Wink Martindale and his defense, they only blitz 22% of the time. Their average, their average blitz frequency this season was over 45%. So a team that blitzes on average 45% of the times per game blitz 22%. They're playing zone. They're playing cover two men. I mean, Tampa 2, they're doing all these different schemes. No sacks on Cousins, but what did Justin Jefferson do? He had seven catches for 47 yards. Catch, tackle, catch, tackle, right? No big plays, no yards after the catch. It's not pretty, but the Giants did a similar strategy in Super Bowl 25 against the Buffalo Bills. Um, You know, they let Hawkinson get his yardage over the middle of the field. You know, the Giants can't cover tight ends, but um, again, the Giants want to shoot out. I'm excited. They outrushed the Vikings 142 to 61. Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Brian Dable, all those guys deserve all the credit in the world. Um, We have some comments here. Vikings are like the Notre Dame Fighting Irish post-1998, nothing but losing. That'll crack a smile on Nick's face, the most overrated college football team. Except you misread it, 1988. 1988. Uh I think a massive development for the Giants was the way Saquon played. The man looked like old Saquon the last game. Dude. Yeah, the three-yard pass on fourth and eight. His, I, I watched his interview, and he said he thought he was going to be sacked, and he thought, I just had to get the ball out and hope for my receiver to make a play. What did you think of that play? Did you watch that play live? I did. Um, I thought it was a horrible play call because I was thinking, well, you need eight yards. You threw the ball three yards. It was like, <laughs> but it, if it's true, I mean, I guess it makes sense that it's better than getting sacked. I mean, that that would be the, at least, at least if, if, if that's true and that was his perspective, it makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, I just think that you would have a better play call. Yeah. Agreed. John Suggs, Giants draft picks. What are you focusing on? Not defensive tackle. Not slot receiver, no. Uh, <laughs> Giants need a wide receiver one, a wide receiver two, a linebacker, a true number one corner, an interior offensive lineman. We we need a lot of things, and this team's one of the, the of the last eight standing. How? 
How is that possible? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the core players on this team, I guess, are just that good, and the coaching is that good. Nick, you could argue, right, the Giants are the least talented team remaining in the playoffs. Skill Probably. I would say – I mean, I, I would argue – I mean, maybe I don't know. I mean, they do have the best running back left, I would say. So, I, I mean, in that sense, they do have some talent. Um, I would they say do. they have – Left tackle. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess you could say that. I would say they're one of the least talented teams. I don't know if I necessarily say they're the least talented in the playoffs right now. Well, Um, I would say they're up there. My point is the coaching. Where does the coaching rank? That ranks pretty high. Ranks pretty high. I also think uh, now I'm sure now you uh, would because at the time I remember last year you were like the Giants absolutely need to keep Joe Judge. I think that you might (laughs) might have changed your mind at this point considering (laughs) they didn't listen to you and now – they're having an historic year. Oh, well, my comments on that, there were qualities I liked about Joe judge. Um, my big thing was he got screwed over by Dave Gettleman. And that was more of my argument with Joe judge. I much prefer Brian Dable over Joe judge, but there was no guarantee we would have gotten Brian Dable. And that's why I was a little, little upset about that. I thought there were things I liked about him as a head coach but yeah no i'll admit um they did the right thing to fire joe judge it didn't make sense at the time but now it does now it does all right all right um, so, <laughs> you finally came Nick, along look man you gotta let me have my moment hey i was right, right about I'm, Daniel I'm, Jones, saying, I'm letting you have your moment i hey, just wanted some clarification everybody thought Dan- everyone in their mother thought daniel jones wasn't a legit starting quarterback I, Not I only mean, that, everybody and their mother thought the Giants sucked, including me. True. But, I mean, we respect everybody whose opinion's changing, but we're just saying we knew this the whole time. It's just they needed the right coaching and the right scheme for him. No revolving doors at, at, with head coaches, with offensive coordinators, offensive linemen outside of Andrew Thomas. But it's been, it's been a ride. It's been a it's similar to what the Jets are like this year. Yes, absolutely. Except the Giants have a little bit better history of like capitalizing than the Jets do. Agree with this. These are likely one of the least two talented teams. Yeah, remaining. The, either those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two. I would say. Um, before we go to our next game, we'll bring up our guest for the evening to hop on and join us. Uh, host of the Down the Block Sports Podcast. Alec Walt. Alec, how are you doing tonight, my buddy? I'm doing well. I'd be better if a team in the Northeast was a little bit better at football, had competent offensive coaches, and a general manager that wasn't kind of slowly uh, fading here. But I'm doing good, man. You guys should be pumped, by the way. Well, two of you, not that one. But um, <laughs> are you a Giants fan? Yeah. Me? Okay, no, 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 no. I know. Well, what I'm not are. a Giant fan. I know, and Tom, obviously, but no, the Giants are a sign of what. And I and I've been criticizing the Giants a lot for some of the hires they've made since after Tom Coughlin. But when you guys look at your coaching staff, when you hire Dable, I was like, that makes sense. He's a good coach. Comes from a winning organization. You hire Kafka, that makes sense. He comes from a winning organization. You hire Wink, that makes sense. He comes from a winning organization. <laughs> 
And here we are right now with the Giants as one of the final eight teams in the NFL. I think it's crazy. Uh, I'm not surprised because Kirk Cousins has no sack. But I think the Giants and Giants fans should be extremely happy with what's gone on this year because I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. I didn't think the NFC would be this terrible. But you guys deserve a lot of credit, and Dable deserves a ton of credit for what you guys were able to do in one season. And Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, he's, he was finally around people that were helped him. Yeah, um, and Sa- Jones, Jones and Saquon are, are the two that I'm constantly going to throw in there along with the coaching staff and even Dexter Lawrence too. Look what the coaching staff got out of him Yeah, this year. Those three players specifically, you know, but um, yeah, man, I'm excited, um, but – Walt, we're in the middle of our uh, wild card round recap right now, so we're going to have you hop in and help us recap this Bengals-Ravens game from Sunday night. Um, in my opinion, this was the most boring game of the weekend, in my opinion. Um, I know it was a one-score game, but um, I thought the Bengals let the Ravens hang around a little bit too close. Do you think this was more divisional matchup, tough opponent for the Bengals or is this a sign of concern for Cincinnati moving forward? Because obviously they were a yard or two away from tying the football game late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, I just think the Bengals didn't take him seriously as an opponent. You know, obviously this is the third time these two, these teams have played each other this year with them being division opponents. Um, But when I was watching this game, I was like, Cincinnati's clearly the better team here with no Lamar Jackson, the whole distraction with the travel and all that other nonsense. You go on Twitter and everyone's freaking out about it. Now we're talking about where he's going to sign for the upcoming season. There was a lot going on with the Ravens. You know, I looked at this matchup and thought Cincinnati is going to smoke them. I, I think the Ravens showed up. I think they were much tougher than the Bengals expected. And I think the Bengals are extremely lucky that they got that 98-yard touchdown, which, well, I mean, you saw it's only a one-score game. That was absolutely massive in in, in the outcome of of what happened there. So, uh, obviously, here the Bengals are going to be going to Buffalo. I think they're going to have to take their opponent here much more seriously. But I don't think the Bengals took their opponent seriously here, and it almost cost them the playoffs. What do you think, Nick? I, 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 I did, did you bet on this game at all? Or did, did I you bet on it? Um, yeah, I did. I took the Bengals minus eight and a half, Oof, I feel which sorry sucks for because I really don't like when um, – I guess I really underestimated the Ravens with Tyler Huntley instead of Lamar Jackson. Um, and obviously Vegas did too um, a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. I really expected them to win by a lot more, mainly because like it's very hard to win on the uh, on the road with a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the Ravens aren't as uh, I would say the Ravens aren't as quarterback centric as some other teams are in, in the sense like they're still a decent team with a lesser quarterback. Like it's not like if the Bengals lost, you know, Joe Burrow. In a, and, you know, the Ravens really easily could have won that game. I just think, well, what if Lamar Jackson had played? And we don't even know, like, there were some rumors that he should have, that he could have played, which is crazy to me. 
that like apparently we've heard that, you know, with the whole contract thing. And that was the reason that he didn't play. And really, he could have Michael Vick called him out, which I thought was kind of interesting because they played a similar type of game. I just thought that was kind of it's just a weird sort of situation. What do you think, James? I mean, the, the Bengals, we have you on film last year predicting the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl before it happened. We all thought you were crazy, <laughs> and yet you were correct. Uh, we saw Sam Hubbard, the 98-yard touchdown, on the mm-hmm. fumble recovery, like Walt was mentioning. But, I mean, outside of Jamar Chase, I think you take Jamar Chase away. You know, Cincinnati's supporting cast was not good in this game mm-hmm. offensively. Baltimore really held their own on defense. They had four sacks, Tyus Bauer, um, Odafe Owe, Justin Houston. They all did their job. JPP had half a sack, our guy. Um, And the Ravens outgained the Bengals by over 100 yards. They outrushed them, too. I would have thought this game would have been a lot. Realistically, I thought the Bengals would have blown out the Ravens. I wouldn't have thought it would be. I don't think it should have been this close as it was. Uh, Lamar on the side, you know, not having him. I think if Lamar was in the game, Ravens would have won and it, it would have shocked everybody. Um, Fonz would be more than ecstatic if that was the case. Well, then he would have uh, been here and then I probably wouldn't have joined you guys. So go Bengals. Um, so I, I, I do think the Bengals have some sorry, concern, um, for this coming week going to the, to Buffalo, um, because the Bengals can't play the way they did again this week against Buffalo, but also that goes back to what we after Buffalo and Miami, Buffalo can't play the way they did against Miami. So you got now two teams in Buffalo, New York playing, each other that shouldn't have been playing the way they did this past weekend. So it's a concerning factor for the Bengals, considering they made it so far last season and nearly lost. Yes. Each season is different. I get that, but you should be able to stay on that high caliber kind of energy and not nearly lose the Ravens, their backup quarterback. And God knows what that team's going to look like next year. Well, what do you think of Joe Burrow before we move on from this game? Because I, I thought his numbers weren't bad. Tough defense, the visual matchup. I think people might be overreacting on his performance just a little bit. It wasn't pretty, but he did enough to win his team the game, essentially. And I don't know if I'd be too concerned about him. Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned about it. If I'm Cincinnati, I want to have more than 18 total carries. Um, I mean – Joe Mixon, 11 for – I didn't even realize watching the game that he had this low of a stat line, but 11 carries, 39 yards. Um, Like I mentioned before, I mean, Baltimore, even without Lamar Jackson, you mentioned it, they still have Marlon Humphrey. They still have Roquan Smith. Those are two of the best players at their own individual position. They, they, They just gave them more issues than I think they were expecting. Now, we talk about Buffalo here. Here's why I'm not concerned. They gave up 31 points to Skylar Thompson. I think there's bounce back potential here with the Ravens. Hmm. Or not the Ravens, the, the uh, Bengals. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I mean, they, that, that would be pretty miraculous. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think they're going to win. But... First team to win after being eliminated. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
but I, I'm not too I worried about Burrow. I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Absolutely. He's a, he's a winner. But um, speaking of winners, um, an all-time winner went down the wild card round this past Monday night. We saw Tom Brady and the Bucks virtually get boat raced by the Dallas Cowboys on national television. Um, Walt, I guess is the Pats fan. I'm going to go to you here. I mean, this is your guy is father of time catching up to Tom Brady. Cause I'll be honest with you. I don't think he played an awful game, but it certainly could have been better. There were times where there were plays were there. Him and his receivers haven't really been in sync all season. We know about the divorce, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of off the field stuff going on. His first time losing to Dallas. We don't know. Is he going to retire? Will he go to another team? What was it that went wrong for Tom and the Bucks specifically on Monday night? I've been saying this for weeks now. He misses someone in this offense like Gronk. He can't throw the ball to the tight end as often as he wants to. He doesn't have his Edelman. He doesn't have his security blanket. Um, the running attack was horrendous. That's where I give Dallas a lot of credit. One thing Brady's had his entire career, running game. Good offensive line. You know, ability to kill the clock. Dallas had the – well, one, Dallas played incredible. Two, their defense shut down the running game. And three, forced Brady, a guy whose arm is clearly getting worse, to throw the ball 66 times. Now, when you throw the ball 66 times, you're expected that this final score would have been 28 or 31-28. They only scored 14 points. I mean, he was asked to be absolutely everything offensively because they had zero presence on the ground. So the Bucs, really outside of, I think, one game where Mike Evans went absolutely insane, really haven't looked that great offensively all season. Uh, we were kind of hoping from a fantasy perspective, at least for someone like me who didn't have a tight end, that someone like Kate Otten would, or uh, what the heck's the other guy's name? Cameron Brait, someone Brate. would be a, a, a impact to this offense. But, you know, in those tight situations early in this game, when Brady would look to a tight end or look to another guy like that, I just didn't see the trust. I didn't see the rhythm offensively and with no running game, I give a lot of credit in this game to Dak Prescott. I think he looked spectacular. Um, He's a guy who's received a lot of heat in his career for not performing well in the playoffs. I thought this was one of the most complete games Dallas has had in a while, but the Bucs offense could go nowhere. And it was, it was one of the worst games from a playoff perspective that I've seen out of Brady in a while. Yeah. I think it's an interesting point. Um, Obviously Brady's, I mean, first of all, Throwing the ball 66 times with anybody is not really a good idea, even if you're having like the best quarterback ever. Um, You also have to remember Brady's on the downside of his career, so their game plan couldn't have been very good if they were like, we're going to throw the ball 66 times with with, uh, 2022 Brady. So nobody could have ever thought that was a good idea. Um, It's also worth noting when people talk about, you know, when you said what went wrong, I mean – I don't think anything really went wrong necessarily. I think the Bucs just aren't that good of a team and the Cowboys are far better. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not really shocked by this. Um, I, I mean, it's just so obvious that the Cowboys are just much better. And I don't know. I, I mean, the Bucs are lucky to be there. 
Yeah. I mean, they were below average this year. They were a worse team than the Packers were. And the Packers it just it, – the Bucks were just in a really bad division. And they were just lucky to – I mean, like, they, they, were, they just didn't belong there. So I just think that – I don't really think anything really went that wrong. They just got – they got beat a little worse than we expected. But, I mean, again, if you throw the ball 66 times with an aging Brady – and you can't run the ball, well, it's tough to beat anybody in that sense. James, what do you think? Obviously, you and I have had the pleasure of taking Mm -hmm. down Tom Brady in the postseason in the past multiple times. Multiple times. Sorry, Walt. Um, Of course you had to bring that up. (laughs) But we were on Brady's side Monday night. You and I really wanted to see him kick ass. As a matter of fact, I root – since Super Bowl 42, I root for Tom Brady in every playoff game that he plays in. I don't care who it's against. As long as it's not my team, I'm rooting for him. You know why? I don't want other teams to have the same satisfaction saying, we beat Tom Brady too. I don't want that. I may be in the minority by saying that, but it really sucked to see Tom Brady lose on Monday night. Yeah, it wasn't pretty. I think Nick can. Uh, uh, Walt said it perfectly is it's time for Brady. And I, you know, it's also the, the bucks. The, what was the record? Like barely eight above, five, barely, uh, not oh, even, eight and nine, not even at 500. No, like, come on, they didn't belong there. They were like given the participation trophy. You're like, all right, well, we have to let this other team in the playoffs. And well, you know what? You got Brady on your, as your quarterback, we'll let you in. That's what it felt like. We didn't even talk about this yet, but how about the missed extra points? The four I mean, missed PATs by Brett I was Hart. thrilled. I was thrilled about that because the own, their own kicker wanted to savage, savage uh, Dallas's season. Didn't they but, just sign a backup? <laughs> probably. They said they're moving forward with him, but I think you're right. They did sign somebody as like insurance. They did. Hey, let, me, let me click this tab here. What, what do we got? Viz Kayano. Dallas Mads kicker Viz Cayeno. I've never his heard first of him. name. Tristan. He's a former Tristan. Charger. He played for mm-hmm. the Chargers. Yeah. I mean that that was bad. That's never happened before. In the I was laughing at it though. I mean, it, hold on. Or not let, let's go back to let, Tom. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. What was your guys' reaction when Dak is on the sideline throwing a freaking hissy fit over missing an extra point? But you don't see anybody throw a hissy fit on the sidelines when he's throwing interceptions and all this other stuff. Well, it was it one extra point when he threw that hissy fit, or no, it was, was it like third. four? It was the it was third, third but, one. But it was the third one. That's okay. the last way you want to go down. And I also think the respect yeah, factor on the true. Cowboys is different with the starting quarterback than the kicker. To be if fair, Dak though, throws a pick. Dak throws a pick, but he threw four. He th- he throws obviously for more touchdowns. I don't know if anybody, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm certainly never going to be on an NFL sideline, but if a kicker misses a kick anywhere within 35 yards, oh yeah, they deserve to get crap for it. Honestly, it looked like something you would see in a college game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the college are known for that. Like you don't expect to see that in the NFL. <laughs> it wasn't even close. But my my thing is, Dak as a leader should not be showing that much frustration towards no. one player. You know, After yes. three misses, yeah. like if they go to San Francisco and he misses three field goals, they are going to lose. 
Well, if he misses point. one field goal, he he, you are not seeing Jerry Jones just making the call to the sidelines and be like, get him on the next play home to Dallas. I mean, I, I agree with you, but also you have to remember, I mean, they're also winning by so much. I mean, I get like never like I'm not saying ever take your foot off the gas or anything like that, but they were winning by so much. Like it didn't even really it, it didn't even really matter that he missed that many extra points. Yeah. Like, it, but the weird thing is it feels so bad, but. It's the equivalent of missing one more point than a field goal. So I think that it felt worse than it really did. It just made him look really bad. Like if that's against like a really good team in a really close game that could cost you a lot, they were just lucky. They were just winning by so much. And it really ultimately just didn't really matter that much. Yeah. If you're your average fan looking at the final score, 31-14, you're like, how'd this guy miss four extra points? Yeah. No, no. If I saw that, if I just saw the score, I would think, oh, the Cowboys scored four touchdowns and a field goal. Right. Yeah. That's what I would think. <laughs> you know, we got to give Dak some credit, though. Two touchdowns for Dalton yeah, Schultz. He found CeeDee Lamb and Gallup as well. Um, how about them Cowboys, James? Uh, the Bucks fire their offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich, the day after the game, morning after the game. What do we think about this move? He was considered the front runner for the Jaguars coaching job last year before Doug Peterson snuck up under him and took it. What do we think about that move? I didn't think he was going to get fired. I don't think it's all fully his fault. I think he's kind of taken the bullet here. I think this is a way to potentially recruit Brady to come back and find his guy. I don't really know what's going to happen there in regards to that, but Someone had to take the fall for it. Um, I really haven't been impressed with the Bulls era. I wonder what's going to happen there at head coach. But uh, the offense has been terrible this season. Brady has looked by far the worst in his entire career this past year. Uh, We saw a ton of inconsistency in regards to uh, working with his targets this year when it looked like they had one of the deepest offenses in the NFL and they had no running game. So, um Yes, it's one season. It's coming off of uh, a – or not coming off of two years ago they won the Super Bowl. But they've had a lot of success. This is really the first time things have fallen down uh, for the Bucs there. But uh, you notice, you know, a lot of those guys are still there. The head coach is still there. Someone had to go, and it looked like it was Byron Leftwich. So um, I think he will get another opportunity. Uh, We'll see what happens there. But – uh, it's unfortunate. It's not exactly the move I would have made, but I don't make that much money to make that decision. So you know, we'll it, see it's what happens. Bring that up. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think you're right about that. He kind of got the brunt of the blame. I mean, I would argue it makes sense because considering they clearly didn't have much of a game plan, like I said, throwing the ball 66 times is just bananas to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that has a little bit to do with it. Um, it's also worth noting Todd Bowles is a pretty bad head coach. I mean, like he's pretty bad. And I thought he had way too long of a leash when he was with the Jets. I want him fired after his second season. Um, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised, but like, I think Todd Bowles is just a really bad head coach. Considering well, what looks how worse, firing a coach or coordinator? To last year. I mean, he's a good coordinator. He, he's a good defensive coordinator, but a really bad head coach. And I don't know. Maybe Tom Brady didn't like Byron Leftwich. I don't know. And that's why. I think the Bucks are going to try to do everything they can to convince Brady to come back. I agree with the latter, Walt. 
firing your head coach is worse than your offensive coordinator. Especially his first opinion. year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you want to, you can Houston Texan it. I mean, I don't, I, that's the least. Right. I thought that was unfair. But, I mean, Bowles, you don't fire the, I mean, I mean, you can fire the coach if you make the playoffs, but I didn't think that was going to happen. No, but like, I think Bowles is just a pretty bad head coach. I don't now, think he's a good head coach. PTSD on my part, but like, He's really pretty bad. <laughs> like he kind of inherited the position because of what happened with Bruce Arians, right? right. And, and, and obviously, Brady didn't yeah. want. Nobody likes Bruce Arians. He seems like kind of a jerk who doesn't get along with people. And Brady probably wanted him gone, and that's probably what happened. Um, and it might be the similar thing with Leftwich because whatever Brady wants in terms of the coaching staff, I think the Bucks are going to try to give it to him. Quick predictions here, guys. The future of Tom Brady, James. I'm going to start with you. What happens with him? Does he retire? Does he find a new team? Or does he stay in Tampa? One of those three is going to happen. What's it going to be? He needs to retire. Him coming back messed everything up. I'm dead serious. Like, him coming back messed up his family, messed up his marriage. He should have just left, just put his helmet up and started coaching. And that's it. But he'll probably be back on the field with you. But he should go back to retirement. I don't agree. Um, I don't think he should. First of all, I think, well, in terms of what you think he should do, I don't know exactly what he will do. uh, But knowing Brady, I think he will go. I think he'll try to play as long as he can. I think that Brady is the type of person who will play or who will play until he can't. Um, and even though Brady didn't have a good year, uh, he still is capable of like going on a run and considering the fact that he was willing to, I mean, I don't know if it's true or not, but allegedly like ruin his marriage <laughs> basically to, to play in the, the play another season of the NFL. Obviously I think that he would just, he would come back. Like it's all ruined anyway at this point. So don't you think he would have the mindset of, well, I might as well keep playing. I'm not going to ruin my marriage for one more season. If I'm going to ruin my marriage, I want to play at least five more years. <laughs> I mean, that might be his mindset. I, I do think that when I do think that he is the type of person similar to like Peyton Manning and some uh, who will play until he can't like Peyton Manning went out on a high note, but really he played until he couldn't. Because he just couldn't go another year. His body couldn't take it. And I think Brady will try to play like until he can't. And a team's willing to sign him. As long as a team's willing to sign him, he's going to go there. And if whether it's the Bucks, the Dolphins, whoever, I think that he will try to play more. And he could go on a run. Uh, I think he could win another Super Bowl even. Like, it, I just don't believe that he is willing to retire. And in terms of – I mean – you know what? If he has the person, I, I think that there's certain types of people with certain personality traits and a lot of like athletes, I mean, and there are certain athletes that will just go on and play their sport forever. And if we're like, and I just, it's some, some athletes retire like early, um, but others, they will just go on forever. And I think Brady's the type of guy who was like, I want to be on the football field as long as I can. I think that if he, that's True. what he wants, yeah. then he should do that. Well, what are you thinking here? After what he did last offseason, I don't think he can retire. After what happened in the playoffs this year, 
I don't think he's thrilled with Tampa Bay. I think he goes to one of two teams. And no, it's not the Patriots. One, it would be so Raiders to sign him. (laughs) Or he stays in Tampa and hires whoever he wants, except for the head coach. Um, I think McDaniels getting rid of Derek Carr that late in the season was a massive middle finger, but a sign that they're going to be aggressive going after a QB. Um, The only reason I could see Brady not wanting to go to the AFC is because the road to the playoffs is a hell of a lot harder, especially if Lamar Jackson remains in the conference and you have to deal with, well, if he's healthy, him, Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes every single year. So Lawrence now. And Trevor, yes, exactly. So we'll see what happens. I don't see him going to the Jets. I don't see him going to the Patriots. I don't see him going to the Titans. I don't see him going to the Texans. I don't see him going to the Packers. Hey, you go you go to the Raiders. You know, I get it. It's not the best team. It's a team known for underperforming. It's a team that's known for having terrible luck and making things not work. But he goes there. He has Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, and a coach with a system that he knows. So I think there's a lot to like there. The, the road to the playoffs is hard. You've got to play Mahomes and Justin Herbert twice, even though – you saw what happened to the Chargers this week. They just find ways to lose. Right. But I think his future will remain in one of two cities. It's Tampa Bay or Las Vegas. And I have a real big feeling the Raiders are going to give him an insane amount of money to play there for one or two seasons. Honestly, I think that if Steve Cohen also owned the Jets, I think that he Brady would likely go to the Jets. Just, do, <laughs> just negotiate like an incentive-based deal and make like a hundred million dollars if he throws. He is one owner who could totally can who who could make that happen. I don't think I can see him going to the Jets. Possibly, I would go nuts if that happened. I would totally change my opinion of Brady. Like yeah. I would love him. Yeah, so would everyone the in Jets? The, actually, the I would Jets go from hating him like, to loving him. Really so, my opinion, he's not going to retire. I think what's most likely going to happen is that he'll stay in Tampa Bay. But I think if he goes anywhere else, if you look at the salary cap, Walt brings up a good point. The Raiders have the ninth most eligible cap space in 2023. It's more than the Dolphins have. Um, It's not as much as the Texans have, but he's not going to Houston. They just just got Sean Payton and then Tom Brady, and they just built like – out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't see him. He's not going. He's not going to the Falcons. Um, no. San Francisco, we haven't talked about yet, but they have Brock Purdy, Trey Lance. I don't think you want to mess that up in the future. I think you want those two guys to duke it out next year. Um, you know, and they'll likely go back to Lance considering he recovers. So yeah, I think Brady's going to play another year. And I think what's going to happen, and I've said this from the beginning, I think he'll announce his retirement on the stage while he's hoisting the Lombardi trophy, winning the Super Bowl for a final time. He's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Mm. And then that's it. Brady goes off into the sunset. Ultimately, that's what I think will happen. But moving on. You need a new rotator cuff. That's right. Also, on the marriage, I, no, I don't like talking about this and hypotheticals, but I will say this. I think there's more to it than we all know. I don't no, think him, yeah, him returning to football, I don't think is solely what ruined the marriage. There was more stuff going on behind the scenes that none of us know about. So we can't really assume 
why his marriage went wrong. But yeah. it is funny to just say that as your average fan. Oh, he came back just to lose in the wild card round. Sure, but um, it's not really what happened. But anyway, um, quickly, before we preview the divisional round, Walt, hopefully you can stick around for that if you can. Um, I know you're a busy guy, but uh, I want one stud – of the week from each of you and one dud of the week. It could be a player. It could be a coach. It could be a team. Um, it could be a position group. Um, from the wild card round could be from a winning team could be from a losing team. Um, James, I'll start with you here. Who is your stud? And then your dud for the week. Stud. Brian Dable. Hell yeah. Coaching that organization yeah. where it is and, Going on, the, I don't know if you guys saw, but was on the sideline. I think talking to one of the receivers and being like, "It's a drop, whatever, reset, yeah. go back." You know, you don't see a lot of coaches doing that much, especially from what us giant fans have seen. It's usually just whatever. Yeah. Um, you want me to do a dud too, or not? Yes, sir. Let me do both dud. of them. Um, the whole, uh, let's see, Tampa Bay team. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Nick, what do you got? All right. So I would say my stud is Doug Marone. I'm sorry, Doug Peterson. <laughs> Wrong Doug. <laughs> You're like Doug Peterson. Um, and my dud is Brett Maher. Just oh. in today's age of social media, he's got to be the biggest dud. I think he stole Alex. Oh, who didn't think of Brett Maher as the dud? That I'm surprised. Well, my my two have been Maher taken. So that's awesome. Um, I mean, I could go next, Walt, if you got to rethink it. But no, no, I, I'll, I'll figure some out. Walt, can I have an can I have an honorary? I don't have a monopoly on Brett Maher, so I guess you could pick the same one. <laughs> an honorary stud. Yes. I I don't want to give credit to a team that lost. But one storyline that you mentioned, uh, you got Marone stuck in my head now. Peterson, <laughs> when Trevor threw four picks in the third in the first half, three of them were to one player. Asante so Sam- Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be my honorary stud. Okay. Now I need you guys to help me here because who deserves more credit, Purdy, McCaffrey, or Debo? I know Seattle's not the toughest opponent, but I don't know who to pick between the three of them. If it's me, I go with the quarterback just because first I feel like you have are, to, but I want yeah. to give credit to the other two. I think Tampa Bay – and I think San Francisco has a really good chance to go to the Super Bowl. I know you're going to clip that, and they're probably going to lose this week because I'm saying this. I've been extremely impressed with what Shanahan has been able to do with Brock Purdy. I mean, what he did in the second half of that game ended up putting up 42 points. I mean, McCaffrey had a sick game, had a long run. So did Debo Samuel. I think the two of them in this offense is making his life a hell of a lot easier, as it should. But in my opinion, I'm just going to give love to Brock Purdy. Um, And then my dud, because I mentioned it earlier, uh, Tampa's rushing attack. That was pitiful. I can't say the whole team because it's already been taken. So I'm taking their rushing attack. It led to a coach 
one of many reasons to why a coach got fired this week. Nice. I like that. Um, my stud of the week, obviously, you know who I'm going with. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is good. He is good. He leads all postseason quarterbacks, including Dak, following his five-touchdown performance. Jones has 10.6 EPA. That's the highest of all QBs. Perfect quarterback rating in the first quarter. First QB in NFL history with 300 or more pass yards, two-plus passing touchdowns, 70-plus rushing yards in a playoff game. We saw the stiff arm on Patrick Peterson, the Statue of Liberty handoff to Matt Breida, the extended play pass to Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, he was outstanding in his playoff debut. And on the flight back, he was watching film and guys are recording him. They're like, DJ, you're not going to celebrate this one. And DJ's staring at the tablet watching film from the game. I mean, that's how dedicated this guy is. That's how dedicated he is. He, 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 he doesn't want to have fun. He doesn't want to celebrate. He's on to next week. He's not satisfied. That's why I think he's my stud of the week. Um, and he's just been improving, improving, improving over the last couple of years. Um, and our dud of the week, before we let Walt go here, um, my dud of the week is Brandon Staley. Um, again, terrible coaching performance. Um, look, do I think he should be fired? Yes. Are there arguments to not firing him? Yes. Both can be true. But you can't allow that to happen as a head coach. Your team just looked flat. And it wasn't even just the second half. It was the end of the second quarter that Jacksonville really started to come back into this football game. Mm-hmm. So there was about a half plus there where the Chargers just looked lifeless. They looked lifeless. And coaching matters, guys. Coaching matters. Why were the Chargers eliminated? On the decline, losing games. Why were the Dolphins eliminated? On the decline, no no quarterback. The quarterback and the coach matter a lot. So – Unfortunately for me, I have to pick Brandon Daly as my dud of the week. But that's going to wrap up our studs and duds segment. Walt, I want to thank you for your time. You're the man. Appreciate you as always. We're going to let you go here. And before we do, though, where can people find you and Down the Block Sports? So I am a mainly YouTube channel. You can find me on YouTube. Uh, at, or you just look up Down the Block Sports. Uh, my most recent video today is on the Red Sox adding – Adam Duvall, uh, the Red Sox are going to be terrible this year. If you want to hear me bitch and complain about them for hours, feel free to find that there, which um, is something that will get very interesting as we get closer to the Major League Baseball regular season. But um, I am on Facebook now if you guys want to like and follow that page. I'm going to try and do some live streams down the road with some guests I have planned. So down the block sports, most of my content's on YouTube, but you should also now find me on Facebook. Absolutely. And this just in, Kirk Cousins expected to be back with the Vikings in 2023. Mm. According to their GM. But Walt, thank you so much for joining the show. (laughs) Peace out, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you. Have a good one. That was Alec Walt from Down the Block Sports. Now, let's preview the divisional round. We have eight playoff teams remaining. The first game we're going to talk about, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium, Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Chiefs are favored by eight and a half. The one seed in the AFC getting that first round by uh, Jacksonville 
coming off that historic comeback against the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. Nick, I'm starting with you here. Who are you taking, and what's your final score prediction? Who am I taking against the spread or straight up? You can go straight up and against the spread. I okay, don't care. So You're the I betting would say man. Straight up and against the spread, I would probably go with Kansas City. Um, Jack Jacksonville coming off a really uh, a really big win. Although I'm a little less confident, obviously, in the spread because the two scores could still be a lot. Um, I would still go with Kansas City. Jacksonville, I would say coming off, it's going to be tough to win going to Kansas City. Kansas City is a tough place to play. Um, Kansas City is a much more talented team, and it's not the same as playing. And you also have to remember, last game, the Jaguars made a lot of mistakes. I mean, if you're going to make a lot of mistakes against the Chiefs, if you're going to throw four interceptions in the first half, you're going to get killed. So that also has to be taken into account. Like They needed needed everything to go their way in a comeback against the Chargers at home. This is going on the road against the Chiefs, and – so I, I think the Chiefs probably win by I would say two. I don't think they kill them, but it should be two touchdowns. It should be around two scores. I would say they win thirty to twenty or thirty. Yeah, thirty to twenty. James, you're on the clock. Kansas City blows out the Jaguars, thirty-four uh, seventeen. Wow. Okay. Jacksonville will not make it. And I just did a recording with Jaguars fan Vinny Milani earlier today during my lunch break. And I'm trying to remember my score prediction from that game. Um, I believe I took the Chiefs by a final score of 30 to 21. Yes, that's that's what I took. So I'm one point off from Nick. Uh, Overall, I think the Chiefs are the superior team. the Chiefs did win the Week 10 matchup where the Chiefs had three turnovers and the Jaguars had none, yet they were still able to win the football game. Garth, coming in and say, T-Law said Arrowhead won't be louder than Jacksonville was Saturday night. Mahomes uh-huh. will be looking to knock him down a notch. I think um, Mahomes is too experienced here. Andy Reid, outstanding head coach. We know their running game features Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. Their defense is a concern, though. If Lawrence could exploit their defense, Jacksonville could su- surprise some people and hang around in this football game. So I would not be shocked if Jacksonville pulls this off, but it's very unlikely that they will. So we have a clean sweep for the first game. The Chiefs advancing to the AFC Championship game, meaning it will be at the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta because the AFC will have the neutral site. Um, Ryan Stephanides, thank you for the comment, Ryan. Hope you're doing well. No brainer, Chiefs will win. I mean, Thanks it's so the much. biggest spread of all the games. Yeah. yeah. First time commenter, Ryan. Thank you very much. Um, hope you enjoy um, our show and our content here tonight. Moving on to the next game, the sixth seeded New York Giants at the one seeded Philadelphia Eagles Saturday night at the link, 8.15 p.m. start. Eagles are favored by seven and a half here. James, as the Giants fan, I'm going to start with you. Who are you picking in this game and what is your final score? Giants, Eagles can't beat us three times. It'll be a very tight game. I'm looking at a 28. 24 game Giants. 
Wow. Okay. Nick, who's your pick in this game? What's your final score in any spread you want to? The Giants, the the Eagles are favored by uh, seven and a half. Um, Against the spread, I really like the Giants because I think these teams are very close. Um, Straight up, I would would definitely, I would take the the Eagles though. I would say the Eagles win 27-24, especially if they use those small T's apparently that they've been using. (laughs) Here's my thing. Giants are 5-0 all-time against one seed since 1990. Uh, In our lifetime, everyone's lifetime, the Giants have either lost their first playoff game or they've gone on to the Super Bowl. Uh, Last time that didn't happen was 1993. They beat the Vikings in the wild card round, and then they got eliminated the next week in the divisional round. 2008, 14 years ago. Giants were the one seed. Eagles were the sixth seed. Philly also had a tie that year. Giants lost three out of their final four games of the regular season. They lost to the Philadelphia Eagles at the Meadowlands 23-11. to A lot of similarities between this Giants team and the 2008 Eagles team as far as momentum goes. Um, Philly, you know, Jalen Hurts, a little banged up with that shoulder. Lane Johnson, we don't know. What he's going to do, he's putting off surgery until the offseason. The Giants are coming in hot off a win against the Minnesota Vikings. They just played in Philly two weeks ago with the second and third stringers in there, and they put up a fight. Um, I don't know. I think the week off for the Eagles actually hurts them. I think it hurts them here. Um, It's tough because the Giants had their own bye week in week 18, if you think about it. So each team technically had a bye week. Um, It is tough to beat a team three times. Ryan says Big Blue will win by three. Um, My boss, who's a 49ers fan, came up to me and said this week, I think your team's going to win. I'm like, I'm not as confident as my boss is that the Giants are going to win. But you know what? I know I'm making my official prediction tomorrow night on Big Blue Avenue, but for right now, I'm going to take the Giants shocking the Philadelphia Eagles at the link um, in overtime by a final score, by a final score of 26 to 23. If that happens, you're the guru. If they win in overtime 26, 23, I'll grant you guru status. Okay. And I say this in a tongue-in-cheek type of way because the last time the Giants played the Eagles in Philadelphia for a playoff game, the Eagles won 23-20 to in overtime. That was back in 2006. The problem – so your prediction is totally based on the past. Not totally History. based on the past. I did mention the Giants are riding high. They have a lot of momentum right now. Nick. Oh, fair enough. Nick, this prediction, you got to turn into Big Blue tomorrow where he gives his official prediction. Right. And so tomorrow, is this prediction like the unofficial prediction? It's a non-prediction prediction? He can't show so, his cards since it's tomorrow. This is the thing. There could be an injury that happens overnight. You know, like last week, right. Evan Neal turned his ankle in practice and looked shitty in the Minnesota game. It showed. So I would not be shocked if my prediction changes until tomorrow night. But right now, I'm going strong with the Giants 26 to 23 in overtime. <clears throat> All right. Moving on. The Bengals three seed taking on the Bills, the two seed 
Uh, this is probably the game that's most difficult for people to pick uh, this weekend. The Cincinnati Bengals coming off an unimpressive 24 to 17 win over the Baltimore Ravens in the wild card round where Joe Burrow struggled to find his receivers throughout the course of the game due to lack of offensive line protection. The Ravens got a good amount of sacks on him and pressured him a lot. The Buffalo Bills have a superior defense to the Ravens, one of the best in the NFL. They're also coming off a tough divisional playoff win at home against the Miami Dolphins. They're favored by five Sunday, 3 p.m. kickoff in upstate New York. Nick, starting with you here on this one, who are you taking? What's your final score? And do you have any betting recommendations for the folks out there? So in terms of the spread, which is really what I pick, that's really what I care about, um, considering my teams aren't in. Um, uh, So I would say – Against the spread, they're favored by five and a half. Last I checked, uh, yeah, five and a half. The Bills are get are giving five and a half. Um, I really like the Bengals because they always play these games tough. They're always they always play up to their competition. I've never seen them get blown out by like a team. I mean, like they beat the Chiefs on the road this year, so I think they could eat, definitely keep it close. I, I could see this game being within a field goal. But in terms of straight up, I would go with the Bills. I mean. Especially, I mean, part of my prediction would very much depend on the weather. I mean, I think that if it's like a really bad, if there's like a lot of snow or anything like that, I think that would affect it. But most likely I could see, I think that the Bills win 31-28. They should have a three-point game. You have Cincinnati covering the spread. James, last year you had some good luck picking the Bengals. Lightning strike twice, or are you going different this time around? I'm going different this time around. Going with Bills. And your 21 17. Low scoring. Okay. So, um, I like the Bills a lot as a football team. Um, I like the Bengals a lot too, though. You know, they win a lot of close games. You know, they're they're gritty. Their defense is good. Their quarterback is good. They have weapons, but you know, ever since what happened. By the way, it, it, it's awesome that this game is being played now uh, in in the playoffs on this stage. I just want to shout that out there. It's mm-hmm. great to see both teams getting um, another chance to play each other. Um, so I'm happy for both teams there, but. I think Buffalo, what we saw last week against Miami, I think Allen doesn't turn the ball over as much. I think we could all agree, guys, if Allen doesn't turn the ball over three times, there's no way the Dolphins are as close as they are. I think Allen plays cleaner football this time around, and I think the Bills are going to win, um, unfortunately, because I like both teams. Don't get me wrong, but I think the Bills are going to squeeze this one out at home. Um I'm going to go a little bit higher in scoring. I think the Bills are going to score 35 points, and I think Cincinnati's going to score 31. That's my final score, 35 so Basically, if, if you took my uh, predictions, you would take the Bengals and the over. Yes. But I did take the over. The over-under is 48. Yes, I would take the over, but the, the Bengals are – Five-point dogs, and I'm picking the Bills to win by four, so I don't feel as much confident in the spread, if that makes sense. But, but at least if you are if you were to pick either one, you would pick the Bengals. Yes, yes, absolutely. 
Last game, Dallas Cowboys, five seed, 12 and five on the year. They steamroll over the sub 500 bucks on Monday night football. San Francisco 49ers coming off a blowout divisional win over the Seattle Seahawks. Well, the second half that was. Uh, uh, um, James, who do you got in this game? I think I know where your head's at, but are we going to see Stephen A. make a video post game? See Stephen A. make a post game video, maybe even a during game because how bad San Francisco is going to smack the Cowboys. Dak, yeah. I hope the kicker's on the sideline slamming his helmet down at Dak on this three interceptions he's going to throw and two fumbles and seven sacks he's going to get hit with. Um, so on that note, I'm picking the San Franciscos to blow out the Cowboys. We're going to do 41 28. It's pretty bold. That is bold. Well, Dallas twenty eight points against the Niners defense, though. Mm. Dallas gets lucky. They they have a field goal okay. kicker that makes a few kicks. Listen, I could have said points. I could have said forty one to like ten, but that'd be some realistic here. He'll he'll make a fifty yard field goal, but blow an extra point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nick, what's what is your pick here? I can see the nine. I mean, the Niners seem to score a lot of points against everybody. They're four point favorites. I feel um, I feel a little unsure um, of the spread and all that. But I mean, because it's a little bit more than a field goal. So it's kind of hard. So it's it's a little bit hard to win without covering. Um, Mm -hmm. But I would say I like I would probably go with the Niners. uh, Probably 30. I'm trying to do the math right now. 35, 31, I could imagine. Um, I think the Niners are, I mean, I think the Cowboys are a really good team, but it's going to be tough for them to go to San Francisco and pull this one out. Um, I'm not making any official spread predictions other than the over, because I just, on one hand, the Cowboys are very good. On the other hand, the Niners have been beating everybody by a lot and they're at home. Uh, I think the Niners right now are the best team in the NFC. Um, I, I so I would I really do like the Niners to win this. Ryan Stefanidis with a comment here. I wouldn't go that far with that prediction. Yeah, he brings up a good point. What uh, prediction? I think he's uh, talking about mine. Forty-one twenty-eight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't see Dallas scoring that many points, but I think both of you guys might be undervaluing each team's defense just a little bit. Um, both of these defenses had stellar performances. Uh, especially San Francisco's in the second half on Saturday night. Um, I like the 49ers in this game, but I'm not going to go as high scoring here. Um, I think San Francisco wins by a final score of 27 to 17. I don't think Dallas eclipses the 20 point mark. I think the 49ers will roll into the NFC title game and win by 10. But so those are our predictions for divisional round weekend. So, Nick has both the ones and the twos. Uh, we have James, all four of the same picks. We have the Chiefs, Bills, Niners, and the Giants advancing. My gosh. I do think, though, out of all these games, the Giants are probably 
the most likely team to squeeze an upset out just because I did not like what I saw with the Bengals last week against the Ravens, but that could change. It very well could be the Bengals. Um, uh, by the way, I'm checking the odds right now. Do you know who has the greatest odds to win the NFC? Greatest odds to win the NFC. For some reason, I feel like it's not Philly. No, it is Philly, actually. Really? Plus 150, but the Niners are just behind them at plus 170. Mm. And, but the Chiefs are now ahead of the Bills for the AFC, plus 140 versus plus 160, obviously because they have an easier path. That's interesting. I don't I mean, the Bills are playing the Bengals. The Chiefs are playing the Jaguars. It's much more likely that the uh, – it's much more likely uh, that the the Bills lose to the Bengals than the Chiefs lose to the Jaguars. Right, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, Nick, we're going to let you off here. Thank Appreciate you. you joining us here tonight. Um, You're letting me on. No, no, out of line this week. We're we're going to miss you on Friday night. But where can people find out of line when you return next week? Well, on, review, on the review and preview YouTube channel and the review and preview uh, podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find review and preview. And that that's where out of line is just like, just like this show. It's the same, same place you find this show. Absolutely. Nick does a great job at out of line. Um, get all your sports betting, get all your great picks for, for the week. Um, and bad picks too. <laughs> mm-hmm. You can get your unnecessary wagers. If you're looking to stack up some, it still leads. hasn't hit once. It will one day. It will one day. Yes. That is I, I would be, it would be like that meme when the person is like a skeleton and they're like waiting for the out of, waiting for the unnecessary wager to hit. That's why your show is called out of line. Cause everything yeah, on totally your show out is out, out of line. But <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for your time. You. Once again, bid you farewell. Hope you enjoy the games this weekend. And, I might. Uh, yeah. Enjoy your betting. Thank you. That was Nick DiMartino from Out of Line. And we have another comment here from Brian McArdle. What's up, Brian? Host of From the Stand Sports. Make sure to go check out From the Stand's Facebook page and YouTube channel. We have a Twitter account as well. I'm a co-host of that podcast. Get all your college football talk with Brian McArdle, Andy Hopper, and myself at From the Stand Sports US. He says, just tuning in after dinner. Hopefully you already covered my bucks getting destroyed. We did. If not, feel free to skip that game. Yes, Brian, mm-hmm. did. Uh, we're actually – we just made our picks for the divisional round, uh, but we're going to talk about the head coach carousel right now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, boy. Um, James, there, there's five teams right now currently without a head coach. I think the jury is still out on the Chargers and the Bucks. Yes. We're not sure what's going to happen with Staley and Bulls. Brian, if you have an opinion on Bulls and what should happen with him – feel free to comment um, or if anybody wants to talk about any team that should have a head coach on the hot seat, let us know. But the Indianapolis Colts, Arizona Cardinals, Houston Texans, Denver Broncos, and Carolina Panthers all currently have head coach openings. The Colts fired Frank Wright. This is the first team we'll talk about, James. Mid-season mm-hmm. after going 3-5-1. and one. Uh, Reich had a 40, 33 and one overall record in five seasons, two playoff berths, a one and two playoff record. He was replaced by Jeff Saturday, 
who went just one and seven for the remainder of the season. It seemed like Reich had a successful start. Obviously, he helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl back in early 2018 when they upset Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And that helped him get the head coaching job with the Indianapolis Colts. It seemed like his tenure was hindered by the fact that he couldn't get a quarterback to replace Andrew Luck. And to me, it seems like Jeff Saturday is the leader to keep that job right now. I feel like it's been in the plans for Saturday to be the head coach. Do I think that's the best move for the franchise? No. But to me right now, it seems like they're going to give Jeff Saturday another go with this one and for him to try to have an offseason to build this roster. What do you think? Frank was just an unfortunate head coach because he was just left in like limbo, like you were saying, looking to fill the Andrew Luck shoes where whoever they brought in kind of filled it but never fully filled it. Um, So he just got that short end of the stick. I think by replacing with Jeff Saturday, Jeff Saturday was kind of just thrown into the midseason, not really sure. Like, all right, well, are we starting our quarterback? What are we doing? I think the Colts really need to look at themselves first and figure out who their quarterback is. Are we going after a quarterback in the draft in the off season, or are we staying with who we got? And at that point, then you start looking at the head coaching. Does Jeff Saturday stay as the head coach? Because if he does, you do, in my eyes, you can't just fire somebody again midseason. That's not good for the players. That's not good for your quarterback because it just leaves them more in limbo. So if you really want to see what Jeff Saturday has, you stay with him. And then you stay with your, your QBs. Um, but I think Indy has every right to start interviewing head coaching candidates, including Jeff Saturday. Be like, Jeff, listen, yeah, you're a guy right now, but we're also looking. Or they don't tell him and he, they look anyway and see what see what's out there. I think that's where Indy has to start. We have a comment here from Robert Hargrave saying, I'm shocked the Packers coach isn't on the hot seat, as in Matt LaFleur. Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this was first season where the team – didn't make the playoffs. I mean, they've virtually been in the NFC championship game or divisional round every year up until now. And you can argue partially that's Rodgers, but I don't think he's done enough bad for the Packers to consider putting him on the hot seat in my He's opinion. only had one bad season. I want to tell him they, on the hot seat. They lost Devontae Adams and they had a lot of injuries up front this year to the offensive line. But if I think he has another bad season, um, yeah. You know, you have to consider. Obviously, we know Aaron Rodgers is the playboy over there, so that's that's a big problem for them currently. That contract, that's a lot of money. Um, we don't know if he's going to stay put in Green Bay. We don't know what the chemistry is there between Rodgers and Lafleur. Um, but back to the Colts here, James. They have requested to interview both Giants offensive coordinator Mike Kafka and Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale. Um, there's also rumors they might try to go after uh, Sean Payton, D'Amico mm. Ryans, the 49ers defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. But right now, I think Jeff Saturday is the front runner to keep that job. Any objections? No. Or- I mean, the, the two guys they want to interview are Giants guys. Um, I don't think they'll leave the Giants organization 
especially this you know, off of this past season. But who knows? Not this year. Yeah. Yeah. Up next, we're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals fired Cliff Kingsbury after his fourth season with the team. He finished with just a 28-37-1 record. One playoff berth last season in 2021, an 0-1 playoff record. They were eliminated by the Los Angeles Rams. That wound up winning the Super Bowl. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, first offseason, they drafted Kyler Murray to replace Josh Rosen. Uh, Murray, he's had a lot of issues, not watching film, not fully devoted to the team. He's had some injury issues. Um, you know, receivers, DeAndre Hopkins with the suspension. Kingsbury was dealt somewhat of a raw card, but he didn't necessarily help himself and his coaching decisions. I think he's more of an offensive mind. Um, he's not really head coach material. Um, you know, the Cardinals had a too talented roster to only win, what was it, four games this season? Something like that. Four or five games is absolute atrocity, but um, – yeah, what are your thoughts on that? And um, we know they already interviewed Frank Reich for their head coaching position. Yeah. And they have a new GM in Monty Ossenfort coming over from the Tennessee Titans. So I think that GM hire, that was a guy who actually the Giants interviewed for their vacant GM position last year. But they've already interviewed Frank Reich, and there's probably a few more names out there they have to talk to. I think it makes sense. Arizona, they thought they had their coach. They thought they had their QB. I, they've been in limbo, I feel like, for years now, only making one playoff breath. Everybody thought, oh, you know, we'll go, whatever, they bring J.J. in, he retires. Um, it, it, Arizona is taking a good look at themselves and it's like, all right, what do we need to improve to be that caliber team where we once were or where we were expecting to be? Because yeah. everybody thought they were supposed to be really good. And they haven't been in the last few years. And for your quarterback not to watch film, I'm sorry. He ain't starting on my team. You're not watching film from the past week or the week prior. You're doing laps. You're doing whatever. I don't care if you're a captain or whatnot. If it's like an excuse, like an actual good excuse, fine. But if it's just like I don't feel like watching it, I'm sorry. You're you're not playing. That's irrexcusable. Yeah. I definitely agree. It'll definitely be tough to see how the new coach comes in because Monty Ossenfort made it clear in his press conference yesterday that, you know, none of that stuff off the field antics and trauma will be tolerated right mm-hmm. now. The head coaching candidates, I mentioned, they've interviewed Frank Reich. Yep. They've requested permission to interview Lions defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn. Uh, they're also potentially looking at Ajiro Averro, the Broncos defensive coordinator, um, and also D'Amico Ryans, the 49ers defensive coordinator. Obviously, we have to throw Sean Payton in the mix as well. Um, but we know there's going to be a huge price to pay for the team that gets Sean Payton because the Saints are looking for at least the first-round pick or something along those lines. Um, I'm not so sure what the Cardinals do, to be honest, James. Um they're in a hard place where I I think you bring in everybody and you see how they do this year. Who do you think they wind up hiring eventually out of these candidates? I think in my opinion, the two front runners for them 
It has to be Frank Reich and it has to be uh, D'Amico Ryans, in my opinion. I think those two guys for them probably suit the best because, um, you know, D'Amico Ryans is familiar with the division. He's the 49ers D.C., uh, Frank Reich, offensive mind that could come in. I know the NFL is trending towards offensive mind hires, and I don't think they're the type of team that's going to be able to go out and get Sean Payton. No, I don't think so either. I think they they go with Frank Reich. I could see it. Plus, he finished his tenure with the Colts with an above 500 record. So it'll be interesting to see. What happens there with that? Um, me, I'm going to go a little bit differently here. I don't think they're going to go Frank Reich. I think the Cardinals are – they're going to go out, and I think they're probably going to get um, Shane Steichen from the Philadelphia Eagles, mm. a, a coach we haven't talked about yet. I think they want to go – with the player who was very successful this season in developing Jalen Hurts, a similar quarterback to Kyler Murray. You know, Murray has the contract extension, so he's there with the Cardinals unless they decide to move him. I think Shane Steichen, you know, his offense, obviously the the trade for A.J. Brown really helped them, but Mm -hmm. I think Steichen could be the type of hire that will bode well most for – Kyler Murray, especially now that Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator, announced that he's returning to the team for the season. Mm-hmm. But um, that's the dark horse candidate for me for the Arizona Cardinals. And I think they might just do it. But I do think on paper, what's being publicized, the two front runners are Frank Reich and D'Amico Ryans. But I think that Shane Steichen is going to stoop right under that mm-hmm. and get the Cardinals coaching job. So that's my opinion. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Next up. We got the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans fired Lovey Smith after just one year removed from firing Dave Culley. Texans this year had a 3-13-1 record. So far, the Texans, they've interviewed Sean Payton, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, and Ben Johnson, who announced he'll be returning to the Detroit Lions. Again, James, the Texans, they just don't seem – I mean, they fired a head coach two years in a row now after just one year. You know, I'm not so sure why, but um, I'm not sure if that's a completely desired job right now, you know? No, and I think if anybody's interviewing for that position, they're going to have, they're really going to have to take a look because if they don't perform better than a three and 13 and one record, they're at the door too. You know, it's like almost a revolving door in Houston. I mean, right. unless they do get like a Sean Payton, which out of the teams that we'll be talking about, I think makes the most sense of getting a Sean Payton because he wants to bring in this team of minds from offense to defense, you know, clean house almost where, you know, for that team might need to be done. Um, somebody that's been to the Super Bowl, somebody that's been to the playoffs, somebody that worked with a wide range of wide receivers, a wide ra- well, not a wide range of quarterbacks, but a wide range of receivers, a wide range of defensives, um, and seen a lot throughout the league. I think he'd make the most sense to go there. But 
again, and I'm going to say they're going to really, he's going to have to keep in the back of his mind. If he doesn't perform well, he might be out the door too. Yeah, it's going to be very difficult. Um, so are you going with Sean Payton for yeah, the Houston Texans? Okay. That'll be tough, you know, 59-year-old. But I could see it happening. You know, he's interviewed with them, and he's already come out and said, hey, I would definitely consider taking this job if offered the position. Um, obviously, you have D'Amico Ryans, who used to play for the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, I think he's a dramatically stronger candidate than the two head coaches they've had the last two seasons, um, you know, I think he shares the same strong foundation as a culture setter. Um, you know, this is a very good 49ers defense that he's running right now. I think Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator, is a guy who has a good shot. Um, the Eagles have the third best scoring defense this year. They've also requested permission to interview Giants OC Mike Kafka. Um, it's weird. I'm going to go. This is tough because the NFL is trending towards offensive minds. The last two head coaches Casario's hired have been, I think Cully was special teams. And then um, uh, I'm trying to think uh, Smith was defense, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it comes down for me. This comes down to D'Amico Ryans or Jonathan Gannon. Okay. From the Philadelphia Eagles. I think it's going to come down to one of them. I, I don't know why. Happened. Those are two defensive-minded head coaches. I don't know if the Eagles are going to let both of their assistants go like this. Um, you know, it's going to be very difficult. So I'm going to go with D'Amico Ryans for the Houston Texans because he is a former player, mm-hmm. and I think he could be a decent culture setter for them. So, so that is – all right, pick number three. Okay. Uh, Denver Broncos, they fired Nathaniel Hackett after just not even a full season. Four and 11 record. Um, sure, that team you know, is. Th- they're a real shit show. They signed Hackett to a five-year deal. We have the whole Russell Wilson saga, the drama that's going on there. So far, they've interviewed Sean Payton, defensive coordinator, Ajiro Averro, and Broncos uh, – Sorry, not Broncos. Uh, Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, who we all know interviewed for several head coaching jobs last year as well. Rumored he really wanted the Giants head coaching job. Mm-hmm. But, um, tough one for me. I mean, they went Hackett last hiring circle, so that means they probably go offense again. No? Obviously, we know Jerry Rosberg is the interim head coach, and that yeah. ex- experiment is not something I'd want to continue into 2023. No. But um, who do you who who do you got here for this one? I mean, right now I see that organization as you know a joke because let Russ cook or Broncos country let's ride whatever the hell he said or says when loses or wins loses more than winning at the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going with Dan Quinn, um, defensive minded. Yeah, he plays to yeah. Um, I think I would say Sean Payton, but that team is just you can't throw more money at the fire. I don't think you can give up a first round pick. You're paying too much for Russ. Um, 
Dan Quinn sees what he sees, what Dak can do. And not, I'm saying Russ is like Dak or Dak is like Russ, but they almost have somewhat a very similar playing style. I think he can make that team turn around very quickly. Okay. Um, I think Dan Quinn will be the hire if they don't get Sean Payton. For me, I yes. am going with Sean Payton here for this one. Um, I think they're going to bite the bullet and do it again. Um, they 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 want to stick with an offensive mind. They kind of want to save Russell Wilson here, and I think Sean Payton would be willing to take on that and work with Russ. I think the Broncos, they'll find a way to maneuver cap around whether it's restructuring contracts and whatnot. I mean, John Elway is pretty much the money shot here. I know him and Peyton have at least a decent relationship. Um, I I don't think Dan Quinn is their number one, but he's certainly their number two. So all in all, I think that um, he's going to wind up with the Denver Broncos after being the coach of the Saints for – a number of seasons, pretty much since 2006. I know he had that one year absence, but yeah, um, yeah, I'm going with Sean Payton for this one. Final team is the Carolina Panthers. They were the first team to hire a head coach this season. It seems like many moons ago, they fired Matt rule midway through his third season after a one and four start Um, 11 and 27 record. He was replaced by Steve Wilkes who finished six and six. Uh, apparently it was rumored that the Panthers had Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator Mm -hmm. as their leading candidate, but he's returning to Detroit. Um, other names that they've mentioned that they're interested in giants, offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, Eagles, offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. And then of course, Sean Payton, um, this team's tough to figure out, James, we know their quarterback situation. They have Sam Darnold. Um, they had Baker Mayfield. They let him go. They released him. He wound up signing with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I don't know. This is a tough one for me. I think they're going to lean towards one of the younger offensive guys. I agree. I don't think they'll go older. Not that I'm saying Sean Payton's old, but um, I think I think the Eagles this year see – Some of their assistants leave. And I think that starts with Shane. I think Shane gets the opportunity to go coach Carolina. He takes the drive how many hours down to the Panthers stadium. Who do you have again? Uh, Shane. Shane Steichen? Yeah. Shane Steichen. Steichen driving down from Philly. That's a good pick. That's a really good pick. Here's the problem. I think the Panthers want younger, but I don't know if they're going to get younger because Johnson backed out. I don't think Ken Dorsey is ready. I know his name was mentioned for that job. I don't think Kafka is ready either. Um, this is tough. I'm going to lean. This is a, we have we do have a comment here. Ryan McArdle says thoughts on Sean Payton deciding in tandem with Brady where to go after their plans to team up in Miami for this past year. Yeah, I don't think they do that anymore. We'll see what happens, but I think we don't know what's happening with Brady. So I don't know if Brady and Peyton are necessarily teaming up or not, but I could see it happening. That could be something that does wind up happening. I won't necessarily be shocked if it does. 
Um, Aaron Glenn, I don't think he gets much interest from the Panthers because he's a defensive-minded guy. I think since Ben Johnson withdraws, they have to go to their backup option. And ultimately, I think the best offensive mind out there for the Carolina Panthers right now is none other than a player we talked about before um, in Frank Reich. I think that's the guy they wind up going. Yeah. You know, they've already conducted an interview with him. They've also conducted interviews with Jim Caldwell and Steve Wilkes. Um, Apparently they're also in on Kellen Moore and Ken Dorsey, but I don't think either of those guys are as good as Frank Reich. It's hard for me to imagine Reich not getting another coaching job elsewhere. For me, he wasn't bad. It's just a change of scenery yeah. suits, will suit him well, and I think Reich will wind up with the Carolina Panthers. So that's going to wrap up our show for the evening. Appreciate everybody who's watched over the past two hours. We talked about our – Wild card round thoughts preview the divisional round with Nick DiMartino. We had Alec Walt on the show for a little bit, went over our studs and duds and did our official head coach and carousel. James, it was awesome to have you back tonight. I think this was the first time you and I have done a show together in months. I would happen to agree. I think it's been probably close to six to eight months with both of our very busy schedule. Um, But I am glad to be back with you. It felt like old times again. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully we can uh, do this a little bit more in the coming months or in the coming weeks. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, appreciate everybody watching tonight. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and anchor at review and preview. Appreciate everybody for watching here tonight. Um, this has been awesome. And also tune in tomorrow night for Big Blue Avenue, 7 p.m. start, where we'll be talking about the New York Giants previewing their divisional round matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles. Folks, thank you all very much for watching again. This has been Review and Preview here on Facebook Live and YouTube. Have a good night, everybody.